chapter of Isaiah, the 8th through the 12th verse, reading only that 12th, the 8th and the 12th verse. But we started Sunday about repairs of the breach, rebuilding the walls. I think it was Sunday we started that. Yes. Uh, it says, Then your light will break out like the dawn and your healing, that is, restoration or new life will quickly spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you, leading you to peace and prosperity. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, and your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up and restore the age-old foundations of the buildings that have been laid waste. You will be called repairs of the breach, restores of streets with dwellings. I covered a great deal Sunday about that repair of the breach. And I was telling you about like Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to build back the walls that had been torn down when Nebuchadnezzar had came in and razed the city down. And I told you a breach was a gap or ruin. And I give you different definitions for the word breach. And that we are to be restorers of the breach. I'll tell you, a breach also is a break in a contract. You can break a contract, and you can, what you call, breach a contract. And a lot of the cell phone companies and a lot of the companies nowadays will tell you, well, you're breaking the contract or you breached a contract because you didn't adhere to this. And a lot of time it's in the fine print. It's, it's within, inside the document, and you have to read all of the conditions of the covenant. Well, we're in a covenant with Jesus Christ. Not under the law of the old covenant. It's for our example. It was a schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus Christ under grace and truth. Jeremiah, the 34th through the 36th, or the 32nd through the 36th chapter, talks about this new covenant that Jesus makes with his people. But this is a greater covenant. It's a much better covenant. But the conditions of that covenant is in the Word of God. We have to study His Word because it's a conditional covenant and it has conditional promises. If you would do this, this would happen. If you would do that. And different promises of God, promises backed up by Jesus Christ because all of that of God, the promises of God, it says are what? Yay, yay, in Jesus. Yes, yes. They are all yes in Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of all of this. It's in Christ. Yes. So he told his disciples, he said, you are my disciples indeed, if you continue in my word. We started off with Isaiah uh, talking ever since the first chapter and we have to not piecemeal it together but that's how we live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God we have to internalize God's word as I said assimilate it it has to become us it has to become not just a part of us it has to consume us John the Baptist said he shall increase and we shall decrease you have to deny yourself. So if you television, football watching, whatever hobby you have, uh, whatever 
entertainment you have or whatever, if that's not decreasing and Jesus Christ is increasing in your life, you may need to check your faith. Examine yourself while you're in the faith because He must increase and we must decrease. He's a consuming God. He moves in and He completely takes over the whole body, the whole house. He moves into the house and He sanctifies the body that so that it's without a spot or wrinkle. He washes and regenerates. So what had happened was the prophets, the preachers, and the teachers had become lax and allowed the people to become lax. And it says, cry aloud and spare not. Tell my people or show my people their sins and transgressions. We need to realize what sin is. What sins we're committing in a lot of churches are not preaching on sin. Jeremiah said they were dumb dogs that are ignorant dogs that couldn't bark or wouldn't bark. And so last week we were talking about the book of Amos about the women in the churches. It calls them the cows of Bashan that was going out through the walls, through the breaches, through the holes in the wall. If you ever had animals, sheep, cows, horses, bulls, uh, pigs, whatever kind of animal, they go out through the hole in the fence, a gap in the fence. We have to restore. We have to mend the gap. Our families, the breaches in our families come through. I told you, I cry and moan a lot because... I allowed a breach in the wall. I didn't raise my children in the church the way I should have. I didn't drill in the Word of God into them the way I should have. We allow breaches in walls, and Satan hates for you to build walls because walls is symbolic of a hedge or something to keep something out, but it also keeps something in. Walls is symbolic of protection. And that's what happened with Job. God asked Satan, if you tried my servant Job, he says, no, you, you have a hedge up around him and I can't get to him. You allow the hedge to be broken down, I can get to him. Satan hates walls. He says, let us all be one happy family. We're all just one church, everybody in the church. And a preacher looks at that, a man of God looks at that, Okay, but we, we must preach the word of God. We can't dis, put people out of the church because Jesus Christ died to save the church and he told us such were some of us. We were like the same people that we preaching to, that we talks about. He told the Corinthians that such were some of you. Gamblers, prostitutes, harlots, homosexuality, fornicators of all kinds. Paul said he was a persecutor of the church. So we have to cry loud and tell people of their sin. We can't just say, well, we accept you in here. And it's all right for a man to be married to a man or have same-sex marriage and uh, all of these things. No, that's a breach in the contract. Yes. That's a part of, of the against the covenant of God. This is the most exclusive organization it is. We talk about the church we realize that Jesus Christ said, you hadn't chosen me, I have chosen you. The Father has selected a number 
for the Son and had given that Son that number. And they will be conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Man was made upright, but he had seeked out many devices, and Satan sowed his seed into the earth, into the family of God, into the people of God. He came in and sowed tares among the wheat. God says, let them all grow up together, but my angels, the messengers are separate. The gospel is what's separated, and that's what crying loud, spare not means. We must stand on the word of God. That's our sword. That's our rod. It's a shield and a buckler. We use the word of God. We depend upon the word of God. And I tell you, we put up on the whole armor of God upon it. So Satan said, well, can we all get along together? Aren't we just one big happy family? We study the scripture. He says, pursue peace as much as life within you. As much as life. If we have to have peace at the cost of tolerating a, a, a compromising the word of God. It's not worth it. We're not going to compromise the word of God. We have to keep those wounds martyred with tempered water. The preachers were using untempered martyrs in something that wouldn't hold the church together, which allowed breaches at the wall. You've ever seen brick walls and everything? where the concrete, the bricks are separating and the mortar is shrinking and it's holes in the brick, holes in the wall. The weather and everything comes into the, into the walls. And it's why buildings, and if you look at the churches, a lot of the churches are dilapidating and uh, the law of thermodynamics is setting in because of the upkeep of the temple. The temple was in bad disarray and that's what God's saying here, that if we would stand in the gap, he's looking for a man to stand in the gap. Yes. A man that would stand. Now he's talking about generic man. That is man or woman. The stand for what's right. So, and Jesus Christ was the man that stood in the gap. And now we're to follow his example. We're to stand in the gap. We're to be restorer of the preachers. We're to build back the church of God, the ruined tabernacles of David. And you're spiritually mature now so you can handle immorality without a problem. Do not fall for this line. You can't handle that Jesus Christ has to handle it. I talked about his spirit working in us and we're not to quench or breathe the spirit. And sometimes we have to let people know you're stepping on my toe. Peter wanted to know how many times shall I forgive my brother be forgiving but you need to learn uh, with wisdom knowledge and understanding know when to say get behind the saint you have to know when or where to draw the line that's what coming by studying the word of God you have to be able to cast out the demons and that's why it says this kind go out but by fasting and prayer and that's what they were doing wrong in this 58th chapter. They wasn't fasting and praying. They wasn't completely dedicated to God. They were doing things uh, that were hypocritical as the nation, as the church, as the city and thing were. And they wasn't standing up for God. God himself teaches us through his example to erect impregnable bulk walks or walls against Satan. He placed a cherubim with flaming swords at the entrance of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the Tree of Life. 
unless man eat and live forever in that condition, let's not let him back in the garden have communication with God. We have to expel him here. Yes. Now, we as ambassadors for Christ, that's why we come with the gospel and the preaching of the gospel, that God had made a way for man to be reconciled back unto him, to be put back in right standings with God. But you can't bring the baggage in with you. You can't bring sin in. He says he died to save you from your sin, not in your sin. So he says, shall we continue in sin that grace shall abound? No, God forbid. We have to purge it of sin. That's what preaching and teaching do. That's why a lot of people don't belong to established churches or central worship place. They want to be able to shut the preacher off or shut the teaching or shut out the word of God when they get ready to. They can't be under any authoritarian or any authority or whatever, but we have to preach with the authority of God because he's the chief shepherd and the preachers and teachers are going to have to give account. That's why it says be not many masters of teachers. We have to give account for our teaching and what we allow. And even in the New Jerusalem we'll have towering walls and gates. Revelations 12 and 14 and Revelations, I mean Revelations 21 and 12 says it had massive and high walls with 12 large gates and at the gates were 12 stations. Twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the son of Israel were written. And notice in Revelation, if you study the book of Revelation, there's coming in and out of the New Jerusalem. For an understanding of that and more knowledge of God, that's why it says study to show ourselves approved. That's some of the deeper knowledge of God, the mystery of godliness, the mystery of God. It's not like a mystery that you could watch on TV. God has to reveal it to you. But it comes from time and dedication, just like casting out those devils. The disciples couldn't do it, but they didn't have a real strong prayer life. They wasn't denying themselves. They were doing as it was during the time of Noah. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Jesus found the time to pray and fast and get away from his disciples. Notice that they had to come to him and ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Yes. Now, he gave them an out. He gave them an out. And when the disciples of John and the Pharisees said, well, why your disciples don't fast the way uh, John, we fast and the, John's disciples fast? Why? He said, well, it's hard for them to fast if the bridegroom is with them. But it come a time when the bridegroom will be taken away and they will fast. And I told you that a couple of weeks ago, he gave his instructions on how to fast and what not to do when fasting. How not to be the hypocrites and the Pharisees to be seen. Wash your face, don't tell anyone about these things. So the walls, the protection, the word of God we'll see could be a wall. It could be what keeps us out. If we abide in the word and the word of God abide in us, it's a fortress, it's a refuge it's where we seek. It's our hiding place. We have to be hid in Christ and not out of ourselves where the devil gets those that's on the fringes. Revelation 21 and 14 says, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Here and again, we still see these walls and the foundations. 
you know, sometimes the devil works at the foundations because if the foundations be destroyed, the building's not going to stand. Um, Brother Isley had told me about what something that he was talking about when they were marching around the walls of Jericho and they marched around there the seven days, six days, and then on the seventh day that they shouted in the walls, but it was something happened to the foundation. We have to be built upon the foundations of Jesus Christ, him being the chief cornerstone. So that has to be the foundational bedrock of everything we do. And it's going to rain, trial, and tribulations going to come. But if you found it up on that rock, nothing's going to move. You're going to be steadfast, immovable in the faith. In type, the church is to be a wall. The Song of Solomon says, 8 and 10 says, Within which peace dwells and righteousness. He's, she says, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. Then was I in the eyes as one that found favor. The Amplified reads, I was a wall and my breasts were like the towers. Then I became in the king's eyes as one to be respected and allowed to find peace. With her beloved, she was at peace. She was a, a fortress, a, a church. The church is given to be like a woman. You remember I told you a woman is symbolism for the church and it's protected. The femininity of the breast the caressing and the towers there within the walls of our beloved Jesus Christ we are his bride we are the church we are protected in Christ yes. he's our mighty strong fortress and a refuge we're hid in Christ and we are his beloved the song of Solomon is about the beloved we are his beloved and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church so we are mighty strong fortress here. God supplies this spiritual wall to those who seek his way, his providence, and his will. The work of rebuilding our personal wall is an effort we put into seeking a strong relationship with him. We have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. A husband and a wife, is the, I tell you the sacredness of marriage is shouldn't be any stronger bond than a husband and a wife that he says love them and cherish them and live with them with understanding. The two become one. They're so intimately woven together that they can hinder one another's prayers by, by not being in agreement with one another. Our prayers would be hindered. The only time that you could abstain, abstain from that intimacy is for prayer and fasting. And so both of them give it, because neither one's body belongs to the other, but with consent we say, well, we go pray and fast to get stronger in the Lord. But this is a sacrifice of our intimacy to be more intimate with our shepherd, our heavenly groom, Jesus Christ. He then provides the defenses for us. God becomes our wall. He's our wall. He's our edge. God puts a wall around his people to keep Satan at bay. As an example of Job, I tell you, Satan complains you put up a wall around him, a hedge. And I tell you, God sets up his law within our hearts. 
That's why David says, hide your law within my heart that I sin not against you. That we walk in this because all of his laws, all his commandments is righteousness. As we put on Christ, we become stronger. We become stronger, we become invincible. And only after God removed the wall could Satan attack Job, and he wasted no time doing so. Surely we see the lesson in this that we don't allow our guard to be let down in Jesus Christ. We have to abide in him. If a man don't abide in me, he will be like a branch cast off and men be thrown into the fire. Without prayer, without fasting, without studying the word of God, without doing the word of God, you drift off into other areas. You drift off into other entertainment, other things of the world. And that's what the book of Hebrews was written about. For those that were drifting away from God, they'll... They had left their first love and they had taken God for granted. They had become unthankful. And sometime as Samson was, he was fighting in his own strength and knew not that God had departed from him. He was fighting in his own strength. If we reject God, break down the wall and neglect our relationship with him, what happens? You know, what happens when a husband take a wife with, for granted? What happens if he starts to neglect her? What happens if the communication, you remember I told you prayers was the line of communication that we talked with God and God had made that a way by we made provisio to him and that Jesus Christ had broke down the veil that, that, that separated us from God that we can boldly go before the throne of grace and ask anything in our, of our Father in Jesus' name. And it, since it's for our husband, since it's for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, if it's in Jesus' name, God will supply that for us. But, but it can't be for selfish means. It can't be for our self-centered pleasure because then we, we would be asked and amiss. In the book of El- Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter and 8th verse, it says, Whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. And I tell you about the woman that pulled down her own house with her own hand. Sometimes our actions and the things we do, we destroy ourselves. As, As Eve, she was deceived, she said, but she allowed the Satan, she allowed Satan to cause her to lose paradise. And that, that was a very uh, profound lesson that to learn in that thread runs throughout the Bible about listening to your wife and following God and submitting to one another and making prayer and supplications unto God about all things. And some of the things I talked about Sunday of, of not too small a matter. It has to be all things. We ask God about all things. That's well, I told you Joshua made a mistake when he went to fight the he was going after the Gibbonites and the Gibbonites dressed up in old attire with old bread and everything and said that they were far away. But instead of praying and asking God about it, he made a deal of contract with him. And then they were pricks in their uh, golds. They were pricks they could after they made that covenant with them. 
You fool around there and marry someone. You fool around there and become unequally yoked. You go into business with someone. You allow a breach in your wall, not doing it by God's way, God's word, seeking God's advice, and you may live to regret it. Delilah looked it good to Samson. She, he said she looked good, but get her from it. But she said, he said, the parents said, well, how about some of our people? How about some of God's people? You see, it wasn't a walk of faith with him. Faith walks not by sight. It's trusting and believing Jesus Christ out the object of our faith which had appeared unto us. Now the answer is in Christ, and that's why we should beseech him in all things and walk in him. Uh, the Bible to depicts Satan as a serpent. Many of our brethren have allowed their walls to crumble, and Satan has struck. He goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's why we have to be circumspect. We have to be careful at all times. When you go around trying to be the peacemaker, a lot of times when you're trying to do good, just as Sanballat went in and tried to attack Nehemiah when Nehemiah was building the wall, they said, if a fox crawled up on that wall, it would fall down or whatever, and they tried to attack from different ways. After they couldn't attack from that way, he told him to come and visit me at Old oh, No. They used that name as, a, I guess, a pun or something on saying, well, with a name like Old oh, No, you know you know not to go visit there, and you know not to go in the temple. He was trying to get Nehemiah to break God's laws. When some woman, adulterous woman, the book of Proverbs say, well, come lie with me. Come do these things. As Joseph uh, was going about his daily chores around Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife told Joseph to come lay with her. And Joseph said, how could I sin against God and commit this evil? He fled. Sometimes we have to flee sexual immorality. I was reading uh, somewhere on the, somewhere about these sports betting books online, you know, like Caesars and all of these things where you gamble online or whatever. Yes. How one guy had won three big bets back to back, one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty, some thousand dollars, but the company didn't pay out, and he had to sue and get a lawyer or whatever because they had some fine print on there about in that contract or whatever. But the average Joe that's working all day or whatever, and Kevin Hart come on and say $500 or $200 instantly, and you're not reading all that stuff and going, reading the end use and all of that stuff, and you just go to punching buttons and doing things instantly. Now you didn't got your credit card or yourself tied up into something, and you don't know the rules and the and you end up, they can charge your card or something happen. You take months to get your money back if you get it back. You don't know how you win anything. It's so much out there. Satan is busy in this end time. There's a lot going on. That's why we need one another. We need the church to explain and tell us. The young people need the old people. The old people need the young people. That's why it says turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and the sons to the father because... All of those breaches need to be healed. That's why Satan broke down the walls. It brought down people talking to their parents, talking to the older men or to the older women, 
or ask advice or whatever, a lot of times I say, well, look, let me wait and ask some of my children or something. They're in their 30s or 40s. I call them children or whatever, but they understand about AT&T or Samsung or a lot of the contracts or things. I don't have time to go down all of those roads. I'm studying as Peter, he appointed the deacons and he says, I don't have time for all this. Let y'all feed the widows and things. I have to give myself to prayer and studying of the Word of God. We can't do everything, and God had placed us in the church, and I tell everyone, and that's why I try to bring the gospel in through that way, that we need one another. There's a purpose God created you for and a plan. You should be in God's place doing what God called you to do. There's a lot of people that should be running a website for us. We should have websites where people can access the notes, access things online, the recordings, the building, and the grant. Just attending. There's a lot of things that going on that God had called us for, but we're so busy in the world and the things of the world, and we wonder why our prayers are not answered. We wonder where's the preach. And he says, you've left the Lord thy God. You've forsaken him. So we're trying to heal those preachers. Every time we get chance, God has given each one of us that have been born again, that's been saved, a ministry of reconciliation to do the work of the gospel, to, to uh, do, do the work of evangelists, to make disciples of all nations. That's the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world. So when we talk to our children, our relatives, and everybody else, he said that's why he gave it to Abraham because he knew he would teach it to his children. That's why I say I, I made a great failure early in my life running and doing these things. I have no excuse. I, there is no excuse. And I pray to God each and every day and I pray more as God showed me, as the Spirit showed me. And I ask it to lead and guide me in all truth, but I'm trying to heal the breach. I need his assistance. I'm a broken individual. And, and I, I know I can't do this. I can't do it. I'm not able to do this. is only something that God through His Spirit can do. He's the only one that can put Humpty back together. Sometime God Himself tears down our walls because of our sins. Isaiah, the fifth chapter, and the fourth through the fifth verse. I don't know if I put that one in here. Isaiah 5 and 4, it says... What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done to it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes, and now I go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trotten down. A lot of people saying what God won't do to the church, but we see this was his people. This was Israel that he was talking about, the Lord's vineyard. And he had did everything and had given, planted with good vines. And it was did he did all he could, but it brought forth sour grapes. Its life had become bitter. It become contrary, hypocritical, a hypocritical nation. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll tear down those walls. I, I'll destroy it. That carries over into the New Testament now because... Paul, as Paul puts it uh, in Corinthians 5 and 4, he delivers us to Satan for the destruction of our flesh in the hope that we will repent. 
So a lot of times when I see things going on in my children's life or any any of my relatives' lives or friends or anyone's life, I understand and I ask God to, to help me to understand His will and what should I be doing or whatever. I know how I've lived or whatever, and I pray and ask God to help me to be able to help others, and I pray for others, I pray for my children. But what they're going through, I've committed them to God. He's able to keep that which I've committed to him. So I have to be within the will of God that a lot of times you can't save your children from the peril and trouble and destruction they were in. The example was when he told Satan, have at Job. When he allowed Satan to have at Job, you remember, Job kill all, uh, Satan killed all of Job's children. You remember Aaron's two sons, uh, God slew them when they brought strange fire because why? God has specifically told them not to bring fire from any other altar, always to light it from the fire from that altar. So now we try to teach our children about doctrine and the word of God so you can bring in some strange religion or say you didn't met somebody that goes to this church and that church and get off on that tangent. I may not have instructed you when I was young, but I'm here now. I can't give account for what happened years ago, but I'm here now to tell you that's not of God. So you make your own decisions in those things. The surest way to restore the wall is to sincere and complete repentance. Are you repenting? And remember I told you, it had starts. It has to start with us. We need to keep taking the beam out of our own eyes. Yes. We need to keep getting right with God. Complete repentance, complete turning from the way we were going and start going in the right way. Peter says, repent, repent, and turn. And God will fill you with the Spirit. But there are other conditions, other things that we should be doing. Playing it at the repair job, daubing it with bits of untempered mortar here and there will only increase God's wrath. Ezekiel, the 13th chapter, 8 through the 16th verse. And that's why I say they were going to false prophets and false churches and false teaching and everything which is the word of God, but it's not tried and true, you know. It may be some gospel, a part of a prosperity gospel or something or whatever, but it's mixed with leaven. And it told him, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Untempered, uh, undobbed martyr. That's what he's talking about. Doctrine that's not tried and true. We need to be looking for the old past. It says to restore of the old past, of the old ways, of the foundations, and you will be recalled, repair the breach, to restore streets which the dwell in of the ancient way, looking for that old way, that narrow path that God had set forth. Such a wall lacking God gives the impression of security, but crumbles at the smallest enemy strike. A couple of years back, they all was going to Bethany. Bethany had a thing out there with Kanye West or something or whatever. And if you notice all of the churches and things, now here's some people, come as you are, whatever, any kind of dress the way you are, whatever. The preachers most of the time don't have Bibles or whatever. They may quote and put a few scriptures up on screen or whatever, but it's not a, a, a preaching and a teaching of the word 
to convict where the spirit convicts of sin. It's all about God God desires to favor you and it's all about you. It's all about catering to the individual and not us lining up with God's word. It's more or less God lining up with us. We must totally be committed to restoring our neglected relationship with God, thus restoring God's presence as the wall. It's a narrow way, and it's a plumb line. Remember I told you it was the wall, that plumb line that hangs off the wall? Yes. And it's a straight wall. It makes the wall straight. God's Word causes man to be upright. It washes and cleanses man and purifies man. Now, I told you it was going to talk about the cows of Bashan, and we talked about that last time from Amos, that it was the women that were carrying the men astray today. We have too many weak men. We have too many, that spirit of Jezebel that's in the church of Thyatira and the church, the Laodicean church, where men are having a lot of, uh, how can I say it, material things. They have no need of anything. They don't really have no need of God. God's outside the door. They have become wealthy and have no need of anything. And that includes, seem like they're not having need of God. And the Amplified Version, I, I, I put separate notes here from the Amplified and the Living about the cows of Bashan. And we went over that when we went over Isaiah the third chapter about God denouncing the women of Judah. And it's the women that are pulling the men down in such movements as the Me Too movement nowadays. And God says that the women will go out at the breaches. And one of the things about God's Word and society is the woman is the last vestige. It's the wall. It's the last line of defense. When the women loses morality, when the standards of the women go around, lascivious dressing, casual relationships, not requiring marriage, not holding, making their men the ones that see them to a standard. When the line of women with their cursing and doing everything that the men are doing, that's the last vestiges of society going down the drain. That's the last vestiges of the family. Satan knows that. And that's the breach there that he put in the wall. Isaiah 3rd chapter, the 16th verse through the 26th verse, Amos 4 and 1 and Amos 4, 1 through 3, paint rather uncomplimentary pictures of women in our time and in Amos's time. Both predict captivity and great humiliation to the women who oppress the poor and needy and satiate their desires and proudly vaunt their powers. We need not be terribly observant to recognize that we've reached such a state in our society today. And it will not be long before God acts to correct this. And that's why we should be trying to heal the breaches. We should be able to see this, that the train's going off Try uh, the sermon I preach about the car going over the cliff, yes, and that the yes. car is about to careen off the cliff. 
the Ming too was the genie out of the ball, and I told you about the feminist re revolution and the feminists and the thing that were going on. And too much they blame things on the abortion laws, and now that Roe versus Wade has been reversed, they're saying the things with the women. Yeah, they're they're too to be held accountable, but aren't the men somewhere that's getting these women pregnant? that the reason the men are doing these things is that those are the things that women want them to do? Because what happens, it's sensual, and I told you it started in the Garden of Eden when God, when Satan told Eve that God just don't want you to be like him and that you can just do any of these things. And that that was a breach in the wall, and that's why God, instead of allowing that breach, he said, I'll put man out of the garden so he won't eat of the fruit of the tree of life and live forever in this degenerative state. And that I'll send a seed through this very woman that was deceived to redeem man, to buy man back, to reconcile man back, to put man in a condition to where he can talk to me and heal the breach. Radical feminism will not go away until Christ returns to usher in true cooperation and proper balance between men and women when he sets up his own government. And that's why we say the restoration of all things. God's coming to restore all things as it was in the beginning. That's why I say we repair the breach. We come just as Jesus Christ preached the kingdom of God and is both a present and a future reality for we know the kingdom of God is among us, and our preaching and teaching brings that to fruition. And that is futuristic because God will remove all wicked and doers, whether they be man, woman, or child. Because in Ezekiel, we see where he sealed his people in the foreheads. He made them identifiable. He gave them of the spirit. Then he told the angel, the destroying angel, go through in the midst of them and destroy all young women and children destroy all of them that don't have the mark of God in the forehead. He's going to restore broken relationships. And that's why I say we should be helped mending those relationships. That's why I say give us a ministry of reconciled reconciliation and that we're trying to reconcile man to God because that's the only way. And it's through Jesus Christ. He's the way. The spirit of Elijah said he'll send Elijah before the day of restoration of all things. In the book of Acts, it talks about the day of restoration. The day of restoration. And the book of Acts, the third chapter, in the 21st verse, it says, the times of restoration of all things will begin. In the book of Acts, the third chapter, in the 21st verse, and it says, and he will declare the eternal end to the battle of the sexes. That shouldn't be any battle of the section. But do you notice that when he told Eve, your desire shall be unto your husband? And in other words, she's going to seek to control him. And But God had given us to unity, to peace in him. He heals that division. Woman should complement man for woman was taken out of man. So they are one flesh. That's why I say our prayer should be healed, but 
if a husband and a wife pulling against one another and both seeking dominance not according to God, no wonder the home is fractured. No wonder the relationship is fractured. They're not submitting to God and not submitting to one another. And that's what the Spirit does. And a lot of us are grieving or quenching the Spirit by not being led by the Spirit of God. Then it will not be a woman's world or a man's, but it will be God's world. The two will be one. It's, it's not about, they neither marry nor given in marriage, but because they all one. We have the wrong idea. We have the, our theology has been warped by Satan. And we see a battle. We read books. Men are from Mars or from Venus and women are from Mars or Venus or whatever the name of the book is. We have fatal attraction, a battle of the sexes. It's always competitive. And that's what the world is about competition, about competing. It's not so in the kingdom of God. Amos 3 and 15 says, And I shall tear down the winter house with the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall also perish, and the great houses shall come to an end. In other words, I will destroy the beautiful homes of the wealthy and their winter mansions and their summer houses. A lot of them have two and three houses, five and six houses, so many homes or whatever. That's because they live luxuriously, luxuriously, and they oppress the poor to get these things. It's oppression. And that's why your prayers and fasting is not honored by God because in the day that you pray and fast and you're doing something wrong right now, I've seen they change the tax deadline again from today to Friday because the, uh, from yesterday to Friday because the city government was uh, closed yesterday and they extended the deadline to the 19th for the paid city taxes and everything. But it's all a racket, all of man. Some of the people had so much wealth that they hardly knew what to do with it. Those few wealthy Israelites were so rich that they owned not just one house but two or three. Blinded by their riches, thinking God had prospered them for their righteousness, they ignored the terrible oppressions that were, they were inflicting on the poor and the weak. That was also the Laodicean problem, was their wealth, and they wasn't realizing or seeing people for what they were. During the time of Cyrus, when he told them to come back to Jerusalem to build a house of God, remember I told you, so many Jewish people, so many of God's people had gotten rich or wealthy in Babylon that they figured God had prospered them or whatever. They never did come back to build the house of God. Cyrus had to offer incentives for them to come back to build the house of God. Just like right now, some of the things Israel is doing over in Palestine, they're saying God is with them. So God, you're saying that God is with you. He's driving you to murder innocent women and children and slaughter countless thousands of Palestinians because you said you're going to root out evil. You're going to root out Hamas. This is the way you're going to do it. And you're saying God is with you. And we as a nation, we're 100% behind. So 
doesn't God have to destroy both? For God, for this God promises punishment. Thus Amos scathingly rebukes them. He says, I will not turn away its punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. They pant after the dust of the earth which is on the head of the poor and pervert the way of the, husband, of the humble. And I got that written in the Amplified and in the Living. It says the people in the living, it says the people sent of Israel sin again and again. And he says, I will not forget it. I will not leave them unpunished. As he told Moses, you go your way, Moses. I'm going to punish those that sin against me. In the New Testament, he tells Jesus Christ, every sin and transgression shall receive his just recompense of reward. But as long as you preach us in things, standing up there saying, God forgives sin and we're forgiven and Jesus Christ paid it all. People thinking that they could openly sin and live any kind of way and still say they are Christian, not what the scripture said, he that nameth the name of Christ, let him depart from iniquity. So we need a priest or a teacher to show us what is iniquity. What is this transgression? And it's your preachers and teachers the Satan's ministers have been transformed into ministers of light. So you got your mega churches, you got your Christianity preaching another Jesus. They're not mending, they're not using temperate, they're using untemperate boy. You're having anybody teach and preach, you're just like who it was, Jehoram who anointed anybody as priest, the true priest of God migrated down into Judah and they were starving or whatever. Nehemiah during that time, the people were stealing and pillaging the people's farms and everything. They were using their brethren. And in a, among Christianity, Christ, some of the people in the Christian faith are the biggest users they are. Jesus Christ had to tell the children, says, by your tradition, you saying you de- dedicated this to God as Corban or whatever. Your parents are starving and you're not honoring God. God says, honor your parents. But you say as Corban or something, it says through your tradition, you make void the commandments of God. You're not honoring your parents. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Hear the word that you cows of Bashan. Who are you on the mountains of Samaria who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husband, bring wine, let us drink? Listen to me, you fat cows of Bashan living in Samaria, you women who encourage your husbands to rob the poor and crush the needy, you who never have enough to drink. You who lay on beds of ivory, stretch out your couches and eat lambs from the flock, and that's all you see. People tailgating and living in luxury and buying. It's a material society. Didn't he say it's going to be as the times of the days of Noah? People will be eating and drinking and giving in marriage. What is your television, your entertainment? What is your computers? What is your social media? What are all these things about? They're to draw you away from God. All of these are breaches in the wall. All of these describe breaches in the wall 
And as a wealthy nation, a lot of our wealth and our money and finances is in robbing God and exploiting the poor. Just as I was telling you about the gambling apps and everything. A lot of that, a lot of people that can't afford to do it are doing it trying to win a dollar to trying to get over sir. Yes, they have to give account for their weaknesses or whatever. But when we tempt men, when we lay a snare because they will try this, they'll do this, you're no better than the adulterous woman or the adulterous man who, who dress in a lascivious manner and lure away married men and women to commit sexual immorality. And God says, you adulterous and fornicators. We studied that a few chapters back. Yes. Both physical and spiritual. Our lives are in a mess, and no one's seeing that there are preachers and teachers trying to mend these breaches, heal the breaches, repair the breaches, trying to restore, trying to turn the hearts back. And God says, cry loud and spare not. I've given you a ministry of reconciliation. I'm not going to be able to go into that. Second Corinthians, you need to study that for the next time we go into this. The ministry of reconciliation. And Paul says it's not just for him. It's not just for the preachers. It's for each and every one of us to reconcile one to another. Christ has given us a great commission. He has given us duties as the body of Christ. At 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses and sins unto them, and committed to us, he had committed that to us, the word of reconciliation, which is his word, which is the gospel, which is good news, which we are to carry forth. And he says, we're going to restore and rebuild these things. Mankind. God's going to do this through man. God works through the body of Christ. We are his arms. We are his mouth. We're his, what he uses to get his mission done. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. So it is up to us to act as reconcilers, to go back and tell one another, those that had been converted, those that are in a fellowship, he says, forsake not the fellowship in together because they met daily. They met all the time. They met with one another, opening each other's eyes up to the word of God, ministering to one another, exhorting one another. And But if we're focused on the world, we focus on the computers, we focus on uh, social media, we focus on entertainment, we focus on everything but God, we will drift away. We're not going to have any power in prayer and fasting. We're not going to have any prayer, uh, a chance against the things that's coming up against the world. That's darkness coming. We need to be seeing this from God's perspective. We need to have the blessedness of the Beatitudes where he says, blessed are the peacemakers. 
blessed are the peacemakers. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20 says, But all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, so that by our example we might bring others to him. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against him, but canceling it. The handwriting of ordinances against us, but what we do, we walk in his word, and he washes us and cleanses us from all sin. We have to continue in his word. There's a constant repentance of God's word. And he had committed to us the message of reconciliation, that is, restoration to favor with God. So as ambassadors to Christ, all these things have become new. We play a part in making peace with God by choosing to be reconciling to him. It's a choice to follow after God. He says, choose life. I set before you life and death. Choose life. So each day we're to choose, and the Spirit's here to lead us and guide us in all truth. But we have to study to show ourselves approved. We have to stay in contact with our Father, talking with Him and asking Him to lead us into all things, to deliver us from temptation, but to be a path and a light unto us through His Word. To give us our daily bread, which is His Word. Each day we're to come before him and talk with him just as we talk with one another. Our Father becomes more present. He's more there with you. The more you see him through the eyes of faith, you'll realize he's always there. He'll never forsake you. And when you call out to him, he's just like it was with Peter on the sea. When you begin to sing, he's right there to grab your hand. As I said, I don't know how much further on this I can get. Uh, Paul essentially refers to himself as the one to whom the word of ministry of reconciliation has been given as a portion of function in Christ. But, however, the thought does not end there because we are also being prepared to assist the causing of the reconciliation of the world to God. This is a second major time-consuming steps toward being a peacemaker. To be a peacemaker, you have to know the conditions of both sides. A priest, if we are royal priesthood, if God calls us a royal priesthood, a priest talks to man for God. A priest talks to man for God. But a priest cannot talk to man for God without first going to God and find out what to tell man. You have to have a conversation with God before you go say, thus says the Lord, because the word of God is too vast before you, for you just to pick out some scripture and say, well, you know, this is what the word says. Yeah, it does say that, but it may be you being like Job's friends. All of the word of God is to us, but it may not be applicable in our situation or at that time. We have to have the ability to be able, as Joseph and Daniel said, our interpretation belongs to the Lord. 
we can't just say what a dream means here because it may mean something else here that we have to get the interpretation from God just as we have to get his word. He shows us the mystery of godliness. He gives us understanding and wisdom and knowledge to go and speak to people. God is not the author of confusion. So if you go to witness to somebody and tell them what God said, y'all shouldn't get in no argument or fight if God had sent you to tell them that because God's not the author of confusion. Heavenly Father, as I come before you this day, Lord God, I ask you to